Bad Family, a podcast for black sheep, bad kids, bad family. Let's get started. Hey, Lindsay. Hello. How's it going? Oh, you know, (laughs) I don't feel very good because I got my vaccine. Well, I'm glad you got your vaccine. Sorry, you're not feeling well. Yeah. Um, I got mine as well. I know you got a different one than I did, but. um, Yeah, which one did you get? I got the Pfizer. I still have my second appointment. Um, so I've only had like the first appointment and then my second one would be at the end of the month, but mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to it. Hey, Linkman. Hi, fam. Hello. Hi. Is Haley there with you? Um, she is about to join. I had to figure out how to send her the link. Okay. Is she going to record in a different room than you? So there's no echo or. Um... <laughs> <laughs> we can do that. <laughs> Uh, I'm not sure the best way to make it work. Otherwise, if there's no echo just sitting next to each other, it's fine. Or yeah. why don't you just next to each other? Yeah, do you hear an echo right now? Yes. Oh, all right. One second. Oh, I didn't really hear an echo. Oh, I did. Well, bad family, just uh, figuring out how one records a podcast, if you aren't sure. <laughs> These are the details. We're good to go. Oh, perfect. Haley, oh. we are so excited to have you today. Yeah, this is fun. Yeah. <laughs> Why don't you uh, give us a little introduction? Uh, okay. Uh, I don't exactly know what to say. Um, <laughs> I'm Haley. I am Lincoln's partner. Uh, we live in San Francisco. Um, I work at Trader Joe's um during the pandemic and everything for the past couple of years now i guess i love um, creator joe's so much and yeah it's really really nice actually it's a great store and there's she... not one near me <laughs> oh, that's brutal Haley actually works at the trader joe's that i used to work at so when i quit i got her hired did you meet at trader joe's you didn't no. right it wasn't like a grocery no. store love affair we met through Tinder. <laughs> it was so an a internet, modern love affair. An internet love affair. Yeah. Um, actually, my boyfriend Matt and I also met through Tinder. Isn't the modern world so new and strange? <laughs> yeah. Just the way. <laughs> well, welcome. I think we're going to have a really fun episode today. Um, before we get started, let's do our Tell Us Apart moment. I thought today for Tell Us Apart, since it is, at least in New York, beautiful weather, it's starting to finally feel like spring now that we're hitting April. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought we could talk about our favorite things about summer uh, or like what to do in summer. Um, I mean, I always liked the beach trips growing yeah. up. It's beach for me. Uh, I love beach and it's been so long. I don't I don't think oh I didn't get to the beach once last year. Did y'all? Yeah, I think I went once. Um 
I don't think I got in the water though. I think I just sat and looked. <laughs> looked at the water. I haven't been swimming in the ocean since I went down to LA to visit you, Lindsay. Oh, that was fun. <clears throat> that was fun. So that was like a couple years ago, huh? Yeah. For my birthday. Well, I love the beach as well. I also just love um, picnicking and riding my bike. You know, like really good weather, short sleeves, shorts or dresses and just walking around and being in the sunshine. And I really like when everyone has their like sunglasses and hats and like their iced coffee and they're walking their dogs and it's just just feels like a different world when it's sunny you know if people are feeling good yeah. although i think i liked summers more when i was in um like public school because then i had an actual three-month break where i could use my summers oh, oh sure <laughs> not only that the best summers of my life were when i was at in college because at Brigham Young, there was, it's such a big school, there were, you know, 30,000 plus students that they had multiple semesters. <coughs> so they had like fall, spring, and I think maybe even two different rounds of summer school. And so because of that, school ended in April and it didn't start again until September. So you had like a four month plus summer. Yeah, that's nuts. It was amazing. So for like four months, you don't really have anything. And it was so cheap in Provo that like I worked at a grocery store and like my rent was $99 a month. And so just like all summer, I was like riding my bike and playing <laughs> basketball and like hanging out with my friends. $99 a month. That's nuts. $99 a month for my room and, you know, shared. It wasn't a shared room. I had my own room, but like in an apartment shared with some girlfriends Sure. Can you imagine ninety nine dollars a month? Go on, tell us your right now. That was the life. Affordable housing now. <coughs> Affordable housing today. Yeah, amen. For real. I like yeah. summer in LA because we have. There's a lot of like outdoor movie screening events, and there's one that I've lived in Hollywood like, basically the whole time I've been here and every summer except last summer um, they do this event called Cinespia where they screen movies in Hollywood Forever Cemetery and everybody comes out and you bring a blanket and people like bring little tables and <coughs> There are food trucks, but you can bring your own food and coolers and chairs. Are you and sitting just... behind the graves? I don't know what this. No, no. Looks so there's like, like, um, there's like a just a field area that is facing sort of the back wall of a building, um, and there aren't any graves in that part. So there are graves on the, you know, there's like a little road that cars can drive on. Um, behind that field area and then on the other side of the road there there are graves and mausoleums and things but um you're not like sitting on a headstone or anything i was wondering how that worked like you cozy <laughs> up next to your dead grandmother and you're like this was our favorite film <laughs> i mean people would do it on on um dia de los muertos they do have like people come out and set up um 
I guess like booths, little tables, like all over. And that is like on the headstones and, and things like amongst the graves. And that's kind of cool. That's that's beautiful. I'm sure it's like offerings of what that person like. Yeah. It's really nice. Well, that sounds really fun. I had forgotten about stuff like that. I guess New York has a million things like that, but you just sort of become blind to it when you live in the city. Like people ask me if I go to Shakespeare in the park. I'm like, no, don't, I don't even think twice. No. <laughs> so. Yeah. Are there any San Francisco things you guys like to do in the summer? Um, I like to go to Dolores park. Uh, it's mm. like this huge hill and you just sit against the hill in like a designated spot because um, it has been open and um, you can there you can drink in the park you can you can do whatever you want as long as it's not like super illegal um, and it <laughs> overlooks the whole city so you see the skyline and you're just chilling on the side of a hill and yeah it's really it's really fun actually that, that sounds, sounds great lovely. yeah Link- they call it dolo yeah. lincoln what are you lincoln what are you eating that's I me i'm so sorry i haven't eaten anything yet today and nina just came back with bagel sandwiches and i'm starving so i'm so sorry <laughs> oh no it's okay it just was like rustling it sounded like someone was opening a package of salty crackers <laughs> and just like but thank you for assuming <laughs> yeah. it was meat. <laughs> Uh, my bad, Lincoln. It's just that you are, the, you, I would say you're most commonly known for doing another activity while podcasting. You're like always cooking all right, all right, all right. Or, or eating or sweeping. <laughs> I know, you're just like doing something. Well, sorry for being productive. <laughs> Damn. So it is what it is. All right. Well, let's get started. Um, I thought for today's episode, we would talk about the body, specifically talking about like our bodies as a compass, but also as a map. So there's two sides to this. Um, I was thinking about our bodies as a compass because um, obviously we grew up Mormon. And so there's this concept of, of having the Holy Spirit and like the Holy Spirit guiding you and like being prompted to do things one way or another um but i'm in this um community of women particularly like minorities people of color lgbtq um people but we're all joined together by our love of entrepreneurship and um we do this thing in this community this is so funny. It's like I've joined another religion. It's called Money Church. <laughs> and so I go, to money, I go to Money Church every week. And basically, it's just like um, sort of like a therapy, but just like talking about almost like a testimony meeting where like someone in the Zoom <clears throat> will, will get called to the front because of like comments they're making while we're talking during Money Church. And then um, there are these... Um, to coaches who will like talk them through their business related problem but anyway I'm going off topic it's fascinating I'm learning a lot from participating in it but as part of this one week they were talking about nudges and the body as a compass and like that we have to listen to our bodies because sometimes our bodies know when our brains don't like that there is something 
human or physiological guiding us. And some people call it body compass and some people call it nudges and some people call it like spiritual compass or some people call it um, your gut, like listening to your gut or to your, your intuition. But I was just fascinated by that concept. I think never hearing anyone talking about that outside of a religious context, it felt both shocking to me, uh, but also incredibly interesting that it is this notion larger than religion that people are following, instinctively following something inside of them. <clears throat> what do you think yeah i think i mean it makes sense to me that people try to do what feels right to them um and a lot of people like when they are choosing a career or when they find themselves in a career uh even if they're like making good money if it doesn't feel right to them they could still switch or choose something else yeah definitely I feel like what was so interesting to me, though, is I was hearing someone tell this story about a nudge they got. And, like, it was so specific. It was like, every day when I leave my house, I always turn right. And for some reason this day, I was like, some, something was telling me. My body was telling me, turn left. <laughs> that was so reminiscent to me of hearing stories in church of people saying, like, the spirit was telling me I had to go left. And uh, I don't know. I think I'm having trouble divorcing my sen like religious senses of of God and like from the body and like th these people who do not come from a religious background, but like telling essentially the same story, but rooting it in self mm -hmm. instead of from God. Mm. I'm just fascinated by that. So that's why I wanted to talk about it, basically. Yeah, I just think, yeah, that's interesting that um, it seems like regardless of whether or not you're religious or have any sort of spiritual practice, we all experience the same things, but religion, for whatever reason, like seeks to impose this external uh explanation onto it that it's like well let me go ahead sorry um no you know you can keep going i basically said what i was trying to say well, i was just gonna say like uh it was so fascinating to me that it was the same experience interpreted through a different lens do you know what I mean? Like maybe religion is a just like another lens through which people interpret the world or their experience. And if they didn't have that religion or if they left their religion or changed religions or however they choose to live their life, you just in are interpreting what's happening to you through the lens that you have now. Mm -hmm. Um. I like to interpret things through karma usually. Um, like if something happens to me at work, I'm like, oh, okay, I probably should be nicer to customers. I'm having like a crabby day. I should probably like look in the devil's advocate and like try and take a different perspective on things. 
And like, if I'm extra like angry, like, cause I think like I'm being bothered a lot by customers and like the experience of interacting with so many people I don't know. Um, I, I like something will happen. Like I drop my pen and I keep dropping things all day, um, which like isn't karma, but it's just like, it like kind of like makes me think, okay, like maybe something is happening that annoys me because I'm not being nicer to things around me in my environment. Um, it's kind of a weird um, way of looking at like me dropping my pen, but like, yeah, I don't know. It's a hard example to try and justify. Oh, no, that's fascinating, though. I do like that, like, more holistic approach where, which is sort of like the concept. I mean, to me, the concept of karma is like you get out, you get back what you put into the universe. Kind of like a pulse, you know, like if you're pulsing out positivity and like goodwill and kindness and good energy, that's what's going to bounce back on you. Yeah. And I also, um, I'm in an ethical or sorry, an environmental philosophy class. And we just learned about, um, virtuous people and like how we know these people in our lives and they, they do things that you find more virtuous than yourself. And you want to emanate that from your own self. And I try and follow a virtuous person in my life and like have them guide me, even if they don't know it or whatever. Like, I'm just like, oh, wow, that person did something really nice. I should try and like be as virtuous as them. Oh, yeah, I think that's really true. And I also think that um, even the concept of like uh, virtuous jealousy <laughs> is like, very real. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> where I'm like wow someone is being a really good person and you know I should try to be a really good person like them (laughs) yeah definitely I I feel that (laughs) so it's awesome here's an example I had of that today Um, I was listening to a podcast called reveal which I listen to a lot but basically it is um, I can't remember if it's like sponsored by ProPublica but it's sponsored by a similar organization. I think it's actually the center for for something journalism. Oh, okay. Shame on me. But anyway, it's like this organization that helps to um, uncover stories that otherwise might not be heard. And one of the stories they did um, in the episode I listened to today was about um, this family during um, the height of Trump's child separation policy. Um, And they were talking about this instance at this time because they were actually talking about corruption in Guatemala and how a lot of the problems in Guatemala, you know, stem from the United States um, overthrowing their first democratic, you know, try under Eisenhower. We like interfered with their government. And I think um, I don't I don't know the details, honestly, but like we we got rid of the leader of their country. And it has spiraled into them, you know, having corrupt government because just like other state actors took over, blah, blah, blah. Long story short, (laughs) I'm getting off track. They are telling the individual story of this father and son who tried to cross the border and got separated under Trump's policy. And, you know, it took a long time for this eight-year-old child to get reunited with the family. The father got deported back to Guatemala and the child was just like in a detention facility in New York by himself. 
I think for more than a year. Um, And they were talking in this podcast about how the family was worse off than they were before because the dad had had to borrow $6,000 to try to make it to America to pay people to sneak him across the border. And in Guatemala, there were no jobs. Like his only jobs available to him were either gathering wood or like gathering potatoes and doing that he could make the equivalent of six dollars a day but he couldn't even get work you know more than like two or three days a week so basically the family is like starving and they didn't have enough money to feed their three kids even one meal a day and there was no way he could even pay the interest on his loan not to mention pay back six thousand dollars when you're you know barely making eighteen dollars a week So anyway, I'm like feeling heartbroken, listening to the story, wanting to just like help this family in Guatemala. And then at the end of the episode of the podcast, they were like this, when this podcast previously aired, our readers at Reveal reached out to us wanting to help this family. And they were like one generous listener sent this family $5,000, which was enough to pay off their loan blah, blah, blah. And so it was this great end of the story. And so I felt like such joy and relief, but also I felt like, uh, um, not necessarily, I guess, virtue jealousy, but like, um, like the weight of virtue had been lifted off my shoulders because someone else had already helped. Like, like you wanted to oh, go you wanted to be the person and find someone to help. Who... Yeah. Yeah. Like I, like I was like, we got to, I was like, in my mind, I was like, I got to start a nonprofit <laughs> focused on helping families in Guatemala. Yeah. And then hearing the end of this episode, I was like, other people felt the same. They wanted to help this family. And so like the the guilt, I guess, might be the word or the, I don't know, like I felt something and that was lifted off my shoulders because it, it had already been cared for. But at the same time, maybe that was not the virtuous reaction because I'm sure there were many, many more and continue to be many more, you know, families in poverty in Guatemala, which is why they're all coming to the Southern border because they need money to pay off their debt. Well, I personally am shocked that you were too late to help this poor family. (laughs) (laughs) Too late, too lazy. No, I think five years late. Wow. We talked about this last week, actually, in the philosophy class about like how what the individual like responsibilities are to climate change. And I was like, well, in general, our individual responsibilities should be to like um, every species and like every person. And like it was really it's really I feel like you shouldn't be jealous, but only like more inspired to just research and learn more about people that might need help than like than like needing to compete because it's just we just need like people to generally be on the same page about the same topics like yes these people are suffering and it's awful and yes you can give like twenty dollars to these to like some sort of fun to help these people and stuff and like if that's all you can give that's it even if it's only the thought that you can give that is the most virtuous that you can be at this time and like you should feel proud of at least the virtue that you have of empathy towards these people 
Um, and I actually like oh, commend what... you on like feeling like you wanted to go online and pay for like these people to have no debt. Like that's amazing. That's good. Yeah, I love what you expressed as well because goodwill is not finite. It's not like there's a limited amount of goodwill people can give. And so if Sally gives, you know, $5,000 of goodwill, that that's all that there is left, you know, it's just like it adds to exactly what you're saying. The more people who are interested in helping support animal species, diverse, you know, and diversity of plant life and sustainable agriculture and, and the things that we can do to like, even like economic equality and racial equality, like anything, as long as people get on the same page about like all of these different topics, like if they generally feel the same way, then we could probably start like creating better plans to help everyone. Yeah, I agree. I think that's a wonderful way to look at it. I often find myself getting overwhelmed where I just want to make an, a radical change. Yeah. And it's hard to know what one person can do. But I think your attitude is the right one, that it's just like uh, water droplets. Like even if you're just adding like a few water droplets to keep the river flowing, you just got to do your tiny part. Yeah. Yeah, because I think so... on an individual level, um, I've read a lot about, like, how people just, like, feel stressed and overwhelmed, and then they kind of, like, try to push it aside because it can just be really stressful and overwhelming, and I think, like, just, like, doing simple things to, like, at least begin is, like, the is a good, at least a good start. Yeah, I think so, too. I think the next thing I want to do, I have a couple of things in the works, um, which I'm not going to say in the podcast because I don't need to broadcast my virtue. (laughs) (laughs) But something I'm interested in is, did you know that you guys, you can adopt animals and like pay money to support the animals? Like you've probably heard that you can adopt like a northern white rhino because there's only two left in the world. But basically just like whatever species you're interested in, you can adopt you know, an animal to help out conservation efforts. I, I'm very interested in that. I think it's fabulous. So, <coughs> so the animals, I guess. <laughs> well, the other thing um, I thought we could talk about um, is the body as a map. And so that is just, uh, you know, how our bodies change over time sort of reflecting what we've been through um our scars obviously um and just natural marks and stretching and whatnot impact on the body um but also i know we wanted to talk about tattoos like the history on our body that we chose so the body has a map I think I'm the only one here who doesn't have any tattoos, so I'll let y'all run this piece. Nerd. (laughs) That wasn't very virtuous, Lindsay. It was (laughs) virtuous of you to point that out. (laughs) We all got some works to do. Uh, Well, I have two tattoos to get started. I have one on my arm that is um, a 
French Polynesian lady from a Van Gogh. Um, no, not Van Gogh. <sighs> what do I even know about anything? A Gauguin painting. Um, and I also have a tattoo on my leg that is two people um, grasping hands together and it says what work is. And is the Gauguin the, um, like the gold leaf uh, painter? The one that did like the man holding the woman? Oh, the- um, that's that Klimt. Oh, okay. Gauguin is painted like um, Polynesian go go ahead, women um, and children often. He's, um, I think, an impressionist. Oh, okay. Yeah, I got this Gauguin girl. It's just like a Tahitian lady wearing like a piece of cloth on her bottom (laughs) and no top and she's just like lounging um but she was part of this painting that's at the boston museum of fine art (coughs) excuse me (coughs) something in my throat um but the painting is titled uh where do we come from why are we here where are we going and so for me it encapsulated a really like a moment of existential crisis in my own life when I was leaving Mormonism um, and also my heritage being Polynesian like this girl um, and also I don't know if I've ever told anyone this but um, I've always not been sure if I was going to have kids I've always wanted kids but just sort of never had the opportunity um, and so I got her because I think of her as my daughter. I was like, well, if I never have kids, this is, I got my daughter. Uh, <laughs> I never knew that was part of the reasoning. That's- I know either, but that's cute. That is nice. I have a little tattoo. It's not um, like elaborate <laughs> as Courtney's, but um, I have like a little uh sea turtle design and i i got the tattoo sort of the moment um on a night out over my birthday (laughs) and so i had i had drawn this design in a notebook based on um thing i had seen on a like polynesian top of class that i saw online i thought was pretty and then uh cheap tattoos on Hollywood Boulevard <laughs> and uh, that was did you say cheap, cheap or cheap cheap tattoos hmm. um, actually Justin Bieber got his tattoo <laughs> at the same tattoo shop so it has to be good um, and uh, yeah That's it just cool. is like a Samoan LA design of a sea turtle on my back how did you why did you decide to put it on your back out of curiosity as a first tattoo was there something about oh, hiding um it? i don't know i just kind of picked <laughs> i didn't want it to be yeah i don't think i wanted it to be visible to everyone um uh yeah it's more it's kind of more on my side than my back but uh yeah, I didn't want to put it on my arm or my wrist or my uh, lower back. 
Hmm, interesting. I was just curious. Haley, what tattoos do you have? Do you have any? I'm sorry. Um, uh, uh, <laughs> I'm so sorry. That was so guttural. Um, <laughs> I apologize. Um, I have, let me count. Sorry, give me a second. I have, I have uh, finger tattoos on my left hand. I have a snake that takes up about four inches on my left forearm from my wrist uh, towards my elbow. I used to have a piece from the top of my left shoulder down past my left elbow, but I got it black worked out. So now I have a three quarter sleeve black arm on my left arm. Hmm. It's all black work. Um, the bottom is scalloped, so it like has like a, a cool design around the bottom of the piece. And then um, my elbow is actually like designed so it's open and you can see my elbow. Um, and then I have like a, a V cut so that it doesn't go into my armpit um, because I couldn't handle that type of pain. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Oh, I can't even imagine. I said I was going to say, which one was the most painful? Like, which location? Um, the most painful location I've experienced that I remember fondly. Um, <laughs> uh, shoot. Um, there's like two of them, I guess. It's like the middle knuckle of my my middle finger on my left hand. It's a single dot that he did into the knuckle and it's scarred. So he like really was like, my, my hand has like, a lot of my tattoos are, are scarred because um, I really like really dark, big bl uh, black ink tattoos. Mm -hmm. um, all of my tattoos are black and white uh, or just black. Uh, I. I don't have any color um and yeah it was just really painful because my knuckles there's just like it's just skin and knuckle so the bone was just like so it was so intense ouch um yeah but it only it only yeah. lasted like a second like um it only lasted a second so like I only remember that one second and then everything else was a breeze like my other knuckles were fine even though I have dots on those um it's just that one finger it like the nerve pain was like, I think what it was just like how the nerve endings are. Yeah, almost like maybe that you have like a funny bone or something in your middle <laughs> knuckle. And it was like, <laughs> um, yeah, and then um, my sternum, I have a triangle with a shadowy eye kind of like clockwork orange, and then below it a deadhead moth with its wings spread out. And it's centered in my sternum. So when he was doing the middle portion, like the soft tissue, it kind of just felt like someone was going straight through to my spinal <gasps> cord. And it it felt like being like stabbed with a very thin like sword all the way through to your spine. Like I could feel that pain still like today. Like it's very intense. Oh, and that, kids, is why you should never get a job. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, actually, people always ask me if I remember the pain or, like, if things are painful, and I say yes. But for me, I would do every single tattoo a 100 times over, no matter the pain. Like, 
I, it's fine. Like I can handle it. Oh, I'm the same way. I didn't think about this either, but I've had my eyebrows tattooed twice. And the first time I did was back when three or four, probably maybe three or four years ago when cosmetic tattooing wasn't as advanced as it is now. And it was microblading and it felt like someone was using razor blades to scratch oh. like scrape across my face and I have a pretty high tolerance for pain but like tears were involuntarily leaking <laughs> out of my eyes like I couldn't stop it it was just like you know that emoji where like the the tears are just like a river is like whoa you know you're just like sobbing that was my actual face when getting microbladed <laughs> Uh, the tears were just flying yeah I really want to get my eyebrows done I think it sounds kind of interesting um because I'm not big on makeup and stuff and I just would like to like have something I guess more permanent that sounds really interesting actually oh it's so great it is because you never have to do your eyebrows (laughs) I am someone who really values Well, I don't like to do makeup. I'm pretty low maintenance, but I also really value my time. And so just not having to spend five minutes a day for two years, you know, doing my eyebrows and just looking more put together, having them done. It's amazing. Yeah, it's amazing. So anyway, I'll talk to you separately, but I have some recommendations for people who are are really good at that. Um, And then I also have the back of my legs done. I'm sorry, uh, my right arm, I have probably like five more tattoos. So I think I have about 13 um, hours of work. I have almost 30 hours of tattooing Whoa. on my body. Yeah. When did you one? Um, That's amazing. My long... What's on your oh, legs? Uh, it's designs. Uh, they're, they're kind of like- It's like patterns, it's sort of like geometric patterns. Yeah. And they go straight down the backs of my, like they're perfectly straight. Uh, she did an excellent job. Um, I love, I love what she did. Like the first pattern, she actually used that one and then in Photoshop rearranged the pattern and then basically did a different pattern that was based off of the first one on the other leg um, later on. That's cool. That sounds really beautiful. Yeah. And um, she, she has a kind of heavy hand, so they look brand new almost because she scarred all of them so by that it just means that my skin is raised up on where i have tattoos it feels kind of like a snake skin on my my body in certain places because i have scars from the tattoos like permanently raised Whoa. scars how old are you <laughs> yeah interesting um i have gotten my first tattoo when i was 18 and i've gotten one every year until i was 21 and then i started getting like two or three a year cool did you get one last year too uh i finished my black work piece last year um uh the girl that did my legs her boyfriend actually did the black work on my arm that's so cool what's the difference or is there like a um a difference in how they do the black work tattoos compared to like a, a regular one? Yeah, you kind of just get shaded over for two hours straight. They just sit there and micro fill in black for 
a couple hours. Oh, that sounds very painful. <laughs> um, it was honestly <laughs> a good test of how well I could handle like doing like a full back piece or something. Yeah, just because that amount of time. I And I guess you it would make sense why you have to do it in sessions. There's just so much that can be done at once. Yeah, your body rejects the ink, actually, if you go longer than your threshold. Interesting. Yeah, you're... My boyfriend, Matt, has a, has a giant back piece that is the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Okay. And it's mainly just like black ink filled in outline. And that's what that makes me think of. Just like hours of sitting and like shading in black. Essentially, yeah. Yeah, that's actually exactly what it is. Um, and I'm probably going to have to get it redone because it's like faded now. <coughs> and you can see my skin come through in like certain areas. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to filling in my whole body. So <laughs> I'm not too worried about it. Yeah. Have you, so do you have an approach thinking about um, how pieces tie in together or is it more organic? Like as things come to you or as you decide on things, they fill in spaces and, and the end product is the whole, or are you very tangibly trying to like map a flow across your skin? Um, uh, I, sort of have a map of what I'd like, but um, I usually actually prefer to research tattoo artists themselves. And I get tattoos based on the people, um, not based on the finished design. I like the designs, um, but I felt if I'm gonna be spending so much time around these people getting my body done for like a few hours, I get to know people and you talk and you really get to like have a conversation with someone that you've never really met before, but they're doing something intimate to you, like touching you for a few hours. Um, and so I like to really research and like get to know like who I will be spending my time and money with and who I'm supporting. So I'd rather support the artist and the person than the piece on my body um i think that's a good approach i've heard people do a similar thing where you just really love or admire a person's style and so you would get anything by that artist i've never actually heard anyone say about you know about the person themselves you know like a personality thing yeah but I find that very interesting and I'm wondering have you ever sat to get work done from someone and as they started to tattoo you you were like <laughs> I don't like you <laughs> um actually yeah the people I have actually not liked I have covered up their work Ooh, fascinating like it was done a I will pay them I will show them my respect um but in the long run, I will probably end up covering up the pieces if I do not enjoy the artist that did them because I didn't felt that they respected me enough or something like that. Yeah, that's fascinating. That makes sense to me as well, I guess. 
Like you don't, you don't need an object or an art piece or a tattoo that reminds you of something negative. Yeah. Like I have some of my ex-husband's artwork and I don't know what I'm going to do with it. I don't have a lot. I have like a couple of prints, but like they'll <laughs> never be hung in my house. Yeah. Never. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's beautiful art, but it's not for me. Yeah. Or once I bought a pair of boots to celebrate getting a job. And then later I found out I didn't get the job and I never wore those boots. Yeah. They just got, they just got given away or sold. And so it was like, if something has like bad juju. I feel that. It's Um, lost. Yeah. My tattoo artist, um, sorry, her name's Meg salad sandwich, or um, maybe it's something else now on Instagram. Um, I don't exactly know. It's not her, her full real name, but um, she has a whole beautiful side piece that she's never going to finish because it was traumatic the way that they, they did her stomach. Um, and she can feel the pain of the tattoo still. And the way she talks about it, it just makes me really scared to like meet someone that doesn't treat my body. It's like, it's to me, treating the bot, being a tattoo artist and treating someone with so much respect is the same way as men treating women with respect. Like there's a certain level of like, you are giving them a lot of yourself. Like this is permanent. It's a scar. It's, it's on you. It's painful. Like it's like giving birth it's like yeah like like you just you don't want ptsd from a tattoo and it happens to some people like there are people out there that are mean and bad people who shouldn't be tattooing because of how they make people feel and um it sucks that like certain people have had certain pains um from tattooing yeah, I don't think I was even aware of that, but obviously it must happen and be out there, especially because it's not, and maybe you could before, but especially in COVID times, it's not like you can bring a friend with yeah. you to help, you know, ensure that a safest space, I mean, that a space is safe. Mm-hmm. You're, if you're not familiar with the studio or with the person, you're just going to the studio alone and there's only, you know, other employees there. So it could be kind of uncomfortable or I'm not going to say clinical because I've never felt like a tattoo studio was necessarily clinical. They all have their own vibe, but uh, I can easily see how if, if someone wasn't treating you well, it could be horrifying. Yeah. Um, and I don't, I don't really have a lot of significant like, meaning on any of my tattoos uh well I actually I don't have I don't have any meaning on any of my tattoos um I get tattoos sometimes to deal with emotional pain like breakups and stuff um like my finger tattoos it's a really intense emotional breakup when I got my finger tattoos I've just got to say it like (laughs) it was intense um it helped my breakup completely 100% I felt amazing afterwards there was an adrenaline high for sure um it was weird uh yeah it was totally spur of the moment (laughs) as well No, I get that. I feel like there is sort of an impulse to change your body. Mm-hmm. 
when you're going through something like I have this joke with my girlfriends that's probably not a very nice joke but the joke is like if someone got a <laughs> you know they're having a problem you know they're like oh or they died so and so got a nose ring <laughs> yeah we have a lot of dire yeah. cut haircuts at Trader Joe's right now and you're like oh no what's what are you going through this week um yeah it's like uh the the joke is like a nose ring is a cry for help. But I think like yeah, a dramatic dye job is the same. Um, when I had a really bad breakup in 2015, I dyed um, my hair yeah. blonde. This girl yeah. I know on Twitter, uh, she recently made a tweet that said, I want to bleach my whole head. And then underneath this other girl I know uh, commented and said, are you okay? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think I've joked with my girlfriends a few times. I'm like, Lincoln and I are pretty strong. Like, if we break up, I'm getting my whole back piece done in one day. Like, fuck it. Like, let's go to Korea. I want to get a full Japanese back. Like, I don't care. I need to get all that pain out immediately. Like, let's go. Bring it on. (laughs) Bring on the heartache. Let's go. Play sad music. We'll play Drake or something. I don't know. Yeah, we're going to get deep in our feelings and just sit there for hours. Yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. Well, if, well if, if you and Lincoln break up, I know Lincoln will be like walking to Los Angeles in the rain. You know? <laughs> I know, I know. I was. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. I hear you. I get that though. There is something, there's a physicality in pain, emotional pain. That I don't think is often talked about, but I know when I was going through my divorce, I was running constantly more than I've ever run in my life. Like I would go to work, come home and like run eight miles like that was nothing to me because I just needed my body to be moving. You know, like I was trying to work out emotional pain in some way. Definitely, Yeah, I feel I feel like, yeah, I, I feel like when when I was single in San Francisco, I would just like work super hard and just like just like yeah it was it was kind of crazy it was just like a lot of going out um a lot of tattoos I've gotten like four in one year before um like the first year I moved to SF was the first year I got four tattoos in the single year which was just oh my gosh I don't even know how I did it I don't I don't know (laughs) It was really intense. Yeah, I hate, I love getting tattooed and I hate the healing process. It drives me bananas. So I just feel like to be in a constant state of healing, you know, that sounds terrible. (laughs) No, I mean, yeah, your body, um, when you're healing for a tattoo is like pretty, it's like kind of being on your like monthly, like you feel pretty vulnerable to the elements and like anything around you. and it definitely heightens like some of your senses uh and uh yeah it puts you in like a different state of mind in my opinion yeah i think so too also just um like the practice of cleaning your tattoo like three times a day and like applying ointment and stuff it's very cyclical yeah well and like sometimes the pain on my black work would be so intense my hands were shaking when i was putting ointment on and I couldn't bend my arm for a couple of days. Like uh, same with my fingers, I couldn't move my hand, my left hand for um, like probably a full day. Um, 
it was, yeah, it was pretty intense. Oh, that's fascinating. Yeah. You've get, I, this has been a great conversation because I've thought of many, many things that never occurred to me before. Yeah, I actually, I found of, I've found a lot of information about like, like the secrets of tattoos and like, kind of like when you're in a big city, you meet a lot more tattoo artists. And I feel like there's a lot of like PC culture and sometimes the PC culture doesn't get seeped into tattoo culture. Um, and there's a lot of competing theories among tattoo artists in the city and stuff. And it's really cool to just like learn about this other kind of worldly culture. I think so too. I'm really interested in um, female tattoo artists yeah. because there are a lot less. And my friend, one of my tattoos is by my friend Kat who has had great success, you know, being a tattoo artist, but it was not easy for her, you know, and she was trained at a studio where, you know, basically just bad things were happening and they weren't treating women well and just like not getting respect primarily, not just as an artist, but like as a female and like having to establish, she just yeah. had to establish her own studio. Yeah. So I'm in, I am interested in supporting female artists and and people that I like and respect, obviously. Yeah, and I think um, a lot of men think that a lot of male sorry tattoo artists think that um, <coughs> women don't have sometimes like the the stamina for the work um, because it requires kind of a lot of like it, it does require some like kind of strength uh because you're you are sitting for hours and you that's like you're you sit and you tattoo for hours and hours and hours on end and sometimes you have to like hold down the skin and like there's a certain level of like strength uh i think when it comes to tattooing um as well um, and I always like to tell my tattoo artists, like, they can take as many breaks as they need because I can sit for a long time and just get tattooed, but I, but, like, it's different to be holding the needle, um, than be the person just laying down and getting it. Yeah, for sure. It's like, have you seen any video, I'm particularly thinking about, um, there's an episode of anthony bourdain's parts unknown where he's in los angeles in that episode where he's talking with the korean chef and he's talking about how korean kids would get punished by having to hold water above their heads <laughs> like i feel tired when i'm just holding my arms up regularly not even like a weight just like my arm weight <laughs> and so i can't imagine the uh skill strength tenacity uh, it would take, but, but I also feel like when you are, when that's your trade, you learn your trade, you become expert at your trade, uh, like moms too. No, it's not easy carrying, carting around your 30 pound baby, but your body strengthens as you yeah. do it and it becomes natural. Yeah. And I like, I actually am like super interested in female tattoo artists because um, I think women have a natural empathy um, for like the human body um, because of our ability to carry babies. 
um, even if like those female tattoo artists don't really want to have kids, they still have, um, in my opinion, some sort of like empathy um, for whomever they are touching and like tattooing. And I really appreciate that. And I think women also um, as tattoo artists are sometimes better because their their pain, our pain tolerance as females is actually better than men. Like it's just every guy I've talked to has been always astounded at some of my tattoos. They are just like, wow, I was sweating bullets when I got this tattoo and like, oh man, I almost passed out when I got my tattoo done here. And I'll have like the same areas tattooed and be perfectly like normal and stuff. So I definitely believe that like certain women are stronger and more pain resistant than, um, than men. I think so too. Higher pain thresholds. And I think women, not that men couldn't be, but I also feel like women uh, feel very connected to their communities, Mm -hmm. which may be because of our orientation toward family. So women who are successful in business or earning money, that money goes back into their communities. And that's not the case with men. And that is not always the case with men. I should say it's a higher percentage with women. And that's why I think women should be business owners, money holders, leaders, the president. Oh, yeah. Put women in charge. I actually was just discussing that I think women have a better empathy and um, they have a better willingness to give themselves to the social climates um, and the communities that need their help versus men um, who sometimes can seem more shut down and closed off. And I was like, mostly I was talking about this in terms of like political, like um, talks about like um, uh, abortion and stuff like that. But um, that's a different whole other topic. Um, Actually, maybe not, I don't know. It might have to do with like the body and scars, Um, but yeah anyways women should definitely be leaders because i think they have a much higher empathy level for everyone on the planet not just um yeah not just themselves i'm interested in that i think i mean i i agree with what's being said i also think maybe it's less i think women maybe are more empathetic women and like all (laughs) like women and non-binary people women and uh sort of like anyone doesn't identify as a man that they yeah. have more empathy less because of like bioessentialism or anything like that but maybe because they're like marginalized <laughs> and you're sort of forced to become more empathetic to those around you because you exist on the periphery of power <laughs> if that makes sense yeah well, and you're more literally connected to every gender. Do you know what I mean? Because you, as a woman or identifying as a woman, if you've had a child or, you know, connected to a child, that person is is like you. Do you know what I mean? Or a, a part of you. And I feel like you're, because you could be a, like a mother who had a son, then like seeing someone unlike you like a man in pain you're thinking about your son yeah actually in um anthropology class we talk about why 
why do people always say, oh, the baby looks like the father um, instead of the baby looks like the mother? Well, they, they know it looks like the mother because the mother is the one that birthed the baby. So they have to prove that it belongs to the father. Um, and that insecurity um, is like very interesting, really interesting to analyze. Um, when I, within high men. school, I took this yeah. uh, class oh. called like biopsychology and we talked about the very same like in a uh, phenomenon of yeah. people of like babies looking more like the father or like you being able to identify those features and one of the theories that we talked about was like that that was that's so that the father will be more likely to like want to protect <laughs> the child <laughs> like yeah Bye. yeah yeah, like not leave. And <laughs> yeah, that's very true. I actually, um, I'm a psych and poli sci double major right now at SF State, so I've definitely taken biopsych, and that is also exactly like in anthropology and psychology, they both talk about like the biology of our brains compared to species, and um, monkeys do the same exact thing and like um, the whole like spreading your sense on like your baby as an animal like that is so that the father will want to protect that child for sure so interesting <laughs> well that's that's fascinating yeah. I think um, I think well, I my ne- first I mean... tattoo is going to be just a little blurb of text that says please protect me <laughs> that's cute you're gonna get it. <laughs> <laughs> that's cute where am i gonna get it uh <laughs> tbd <laughs> like right like right in your uh, on your left protect <laughs> <Fragile>. <laughs> Handle with care. No, well, this has been great. I feel like there we could talk hours and hours and hours more about the body. It's fascinating, you know, the human species and the the natural intuition of the body and what our bodies mean and have come to mean. So. Thank you. Thank you, everyone, for your insights and discussion throughout this episode. Yeah, it was fun. Before we wrap up, does anyone have anything Uh, final they want to share? Nope. (laughs) Uh, Get your vaccines. All right. (laughs) um, Love you, bad fan. Yeah. Yeah. Protect that body. Yeah, vaccines. Protect that body. Love you. Bye. Bye. All right. Love you all. Talk soon. Thanks for listening. Smell you later.